the Marketing That Matters podcast, casual conversations for purpose-driven people. Each episode, Alicia and I will talk about a topic that's grabbed our attention and something that's bringing us value. We look at things with our marketing hat on while keeping things light and fun. Hi Jade, welcome back to the podcast. How's your week been? Um, pretty good. It's been really busy actually, but in a really good way. I've done a massive deep dive into recycling, thanks to a friend, and I'm actually learning quite a lot. It's made me realise how much marketing though is really useful for education and to share it, to share knowledge because there's so much that I didn't know and I feel like there's a lot of places that should be educating us on these mm. or is that just me? Mm. Oh, I think the um, councils have had to be pretty good um, but it's just whether or not people read that. Like I think a lot of the recycling information does come through the councils but look – they definitely don't make it exciting. Like, <laughs> I think the majority of people probably probably put those plant pamphlets in the bin. But, yeah, I think there is a lot that comes through the our local council anyway, but mm. I don't think it's in everyone, in front of everyone's face. Yeah, and I suppose budget is a concern, obviously, to, to market things like that. But um, I'm really into it so much that I really want to focus on this in an upcoming episode, oh. <laughs> if you don't mind. Recycling episode, <laughs> fun, fun. Not just about that. But <laughs> <laughs> it was Stay more tuned. It was more behind um, how we can help, I guess, in terms of getting the message out there um, and what some certain non-profits or organisations can do in order to spread the knowledge and education of this further and easier, mm. if mm. that makes sense. And make it more interesting. Yeah, sure. not just about how to recycle because yeah. <laughs> I'm still learning a lot in that area. Oh, good. <laughs> good, good. You can learn for the both of us. How was your week anyway? Um, my week was good. Um, I've had sick kids on and off since it's been winter, but um, I feel like we surely have had everything possible now. So, <laughs> the end just, of winter, let's hope yes, so. Yes, yeah, exactly. All right, so what's got your attention this week, Jade? So, the other day, I don't know if you remember, Alicia, but I didn't have much on and both my kids were taken care of and you told me to go and do something for myself. Ah, oh, nice so, advice. I know, it was so nice of you. But... um. That was really difficult. Oh, okay. Like, I don't know if anyone else finds this, but once you try and fit so much into your day and try and be so productive, like when you have the time to yourself, that doing something for yourself on a whim, not something that's not Mm. planned, was actually really, really difficult to do. Mm. Please don't laugh at me. (laughs) God, what did you do? (laughs) (laughs) Cleaned out the cupboard or something? No, nothing. I think (laughs) I just took the dog for a walk. I didn't do anything exciting, but I was so... I couldn't justify doing something too frivolous. I couldn't justify, you know, sitting in front of the TV for two hours and doing it. Like I just couldn't justify something like that. And that's why this article from Mamma Mia really caught my attention. It's called The Reckoning Every Woman Will Have in Their 30s. It's very apt for us, Alicia. <laughs> and she says that there are a few simple pleasures left that we don't feel some kind of need to excel at. Now, Bridie Jaber, who's written this article, has said she has an ever-evolving to-do list on her notes app on her iPhone. And I literally tick off the tasks once they're completed. Usually I try to get at least three things off the list in a day, which includes things such as 30 minutes of bar and call this person you really don't want to call for work and drab domestic stuff like change the sheets and fun domestic stuff like look up results in Port Douglas. I feel compelled to justify the hours. It's not enough to go to work and earn some money to pay the rent and read my kids some books and get through the day. I have to feel productive. It seeps into everything, even on holidays. I like to spend the first two days walking 20 kilometres across cities, looking at painting or two, 
looking at a painting or two. So I can say to someone or anyone, look, I didn't waste it. I did this, I did that, and then I can relax. And I was like, oh my gosh, when I read this, because I'm like, this is us. And with the holiday thing, I immediately thought of you. I thought, I bet you're one of those people on holidays. You have to do all the things. All the things. (laughs) All the things. (laughs) Luckily, I'm married to someone who's very similar and we do all the things. Yeah. <laughs> same. That's like Chris is saying. We do a lot of things. Like everything's planned. I know. But there are people out there that just lay by the pool. I know. I'd love to meet someone like that. <laughs> there are. What's got me questioning, why do we always have to be productive? You know, do you feel guilty just sitting down and watching TV? Look, I was nodding away to that whole paragraph written by Bridie. Um, and this whole article, to be honest, I really did resonate with. And I, I think it is something to check yourself with, like as to why you're putting this pressure on yourself, because that's what it comes down to at the end of the day. You're putting extra pressure on yourself to do what for why. Mm. Um, that's essentially what I saw in this. And yes, we know, we both know, we've spoken about it many a times that we are people that cram a lot into our lives. I've seen both sides to this. So I've seen how it can benefit because you get things like businesses off the ground like you and I have and we did we did that both with I think we had four kids under four between us or yes. three maybe four kids under three even between us like we had a, we had very little kids when we started this business a couple of years ago yeah there's things that can that you can achieve by putting a lot into your lives but then when you need to take a step back because of say life situation, something happens, say, health-wise in the family, um, something that just gets a bit too much, I do feel that that all comes crashing down. Well, it has for me anyway at times when, you know, something that you can't predict happens, you need to reevaluate why you're rushing around and why you're fitting all these things in and, you know, reading that book and making sure you read the, the, that, that book that's, you know, on the um, bestsellers list. Why are you trying to cram that book in uh, this month when you you really should just be like sitting down and and relaxing and just – or going to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> like, far out, going to sleep. I don't know. I feel like lately I have thought less about trying to achieve more and more about why. Yeah. Um, and that's a bit of a change for me. So I actually think that um, I liked how they summarised this article. Um, she said, life is made up of small decisions every day and a few big ones. You choose to live in a smaller place closer to the city or a bigger place further away. You choose to make more money or have more free time. You choose to do a job you enjoy or one that is more boring but is going to give you the lifestyle you want. Children or no children, monogamy or security or excitement and lonely and loneliness. A cooler city or your lifelong friends, being thin or being satisfied, being happy where you are or risking something different, the big decisions and the small ones all from the perception of yourself. I feel like we've spoken about this before as well where there's those crossroads in life, like where you literally see your life in one way or the other way and we make these decisions um, and you can choose to live that busy life or you can choose to have more free time. There's, I don't think there's necessarily a right or wrong way of doing it, but it's just about whether or not it's right for you and your family at that time. Because if you are doing things at the detriment of someone else, then that's where I think you need to check yourself. Yeah. I have a question for you. Have you ever, do you write to-do lists? Yeah. Yeah. Do you, have you ever done something that wasn't on your list? So you've written it on there and crossed it off? 
Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we spoke about this and I was like, oh my gosh, that's me. And I'm, and then as soon as I, I saw someone else write it or read those words, I was like, that's when you have a problem. Yeah. <laughs> you feel like you need to feel accomplished. And I feel like that is that is some of where my problem comes from is that I can't, I'm, I have this drive to always accomplish something no matter what it is. Yeah, you're so right. So um, we're doing little reno at home and I couldn't wait. Like the, the builder was talking and I could I could hear what he was saying that needs to happen like for the reno. Like I could just hear it. I could hear and see the to-do list as he was talking and I was like didn't have my phone on me, which my to-do list is on. I had to like run and grab it and as I was writing, I was like loving putting these tasks in. I was like, Alicia, do this. Alicia, do this. Builder, to do this. Alicia, 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 do this. And I was like loving it. I was like so satisfying, like making this massive to-do list. <laughs> oh, my God. Some of the things like, you know, I'm sure didn't need a ma- lead a line, but that, you got a line because <laughs> I will be ticking that off when I make that call. It's so strange. And I, do you know what? I wonder if that – I think a lot of that is just personality driven, the type of people that we are. I think some of it though comes down to the way that we work as well. Like in, I feel like in definitely the jobs that I've had, especially agency account management, you have to be so organized. You have to be that organized. You have to be that on top of things and that structured in order to do your job well. So I feel like some of that is, is learned through work as well. Um, And you take it over to your home life. (laughs) Yeah. Someone once said an agency life, totally, I used to make this my um, I actually used to think about this all the time when I worked full-time as account manager in advertising. Um, someone said to me, you're only as good as the promises you keep. Mm. So, for instance, if you as a marketing manager said to me, Alicia, can you, you know, quote up this, quote up that, make sure you can you get me that logo, can you, you know, da-da-da-da-da. If I promised to do all those things and I, and I said yes, 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 sitting in front of you and I didn't, then I... I'm only as good as what I kept. Like if I didn't keep any of those promises, then therefore my job, I'm not as, you know, I'm only as good as those ones that I actually kept. And I used to make myself accountable to that. And hearing that um, quote, it also made me not promise things I didn't think I could deliver. Yeah. Because it wasn't then, therefore it wasn't on me. Yeah. If I didn't think I could deliver it, I just said, let me see. But I didn't say, yes, I can. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, we have a lot to learn, I think. We still um, need to learn to be a little bit unproductive somehow. Yeah, I think I think it is when you have to look at what, what, you're, what you're rushing around for. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Such a good point. Um, she did mention in here about like reading the right books and I found that really interesting because I went through a phase where I, I, I love reading and I know you're a reader too. And I would only kind of read kind of non-fiction books that were like nutrition focused and self-development. and Finding a purpose. Yeah, all this stuff. And then I'm like, oh, like it wasn't enjoyable anymore. Um, So now I've been following the Shameless Book Club and I've just been reading Mm. the books that they have got on for that month. And it's really good because it's kind of like they're all fiction, which is great because it's um, something they've gotten back into. But then they're all – it's also broadening my horizons. So that's a – Good little tip for anyone who needs to be a bit more unproductive. That's why one way that I'm trying to do it anyway. Jade, something that has been on my mind this week is how do we as individuals rewrite our own bias to be better, more accepting individuals? Brands are having to do it as it's not acceptable anymore to only talk to one group. I want to quote the Chief Brand Officer at Procter & Gamble, Mark Pritchard, from a podcast he was on called Fearless. He said, bias is human. You can't survive without bias because that's the way the mind operates. The mind categorises things so you can make in- make instant decisions. 
and that includes every individual that you meet, that people are making judgments and connections. As individuals, we need to be very open and transparent about these issues and creating the environment for dialogue and constructive dialogue. That's our job at Procter & Gamble. So, Jabe, what I wanted to talk about was that bias. I think I've been confronted with the fact that I have bias without even realising I do. And it's, to be honest, it's not our fault. Um, And I just think it's generally society's, like, is how we've been brought up. Um, However, with seeing brands having to unlearn it, as marketers, we lead that change too. And we have to be really at the forefront because we need to not make that mistake of stereotyping groups as such and making sure that we have check of our own bias and then therefore also the brands we work with, their bias, and making sure we do not, um, a- not don't alienate minorities and include without feel- making it feel forced. But we're seeing brands doing it every yeah, day totally. and there's some fantastic examples and I'm excited for what the future is going to be with this but it's something that I need to even just work on personally yeah and it is unlearning it's pretty much unlearning what with those categories essentially Mm. what and they said categories give us order in life so we we honestly do categorize everything and Mm. it's you just have to make sure to check yourself if you feel like you are categorizing someone before you actually know them or something it's how we process things we put someone into a box or a category because then we it feels safe it feels known um and then to to not put them somewhere feels strange like if yeah yeah i have a quote here from um harvard's actually done a like a little study that you can do um which makes you check your um hidden bias test measure um it's it's talking about the unconscious bias yeah so your willingness to examine your own possible bias is an important step in understanding the roots of stereotypes and pre- prejudice in our society. The ability to distinguish friends from foe helped early humans survive, and the ability to quickly and automatically categorise people is a fundamental quality of the human mind. Categories give order to life, and every day we group other people into categories based on social and other characteristics. This is the foundation of stereotypes, prejudice, and ultimately, discrimination. So there you go. That's where it comes back to um, and hence why we, there is so much discrimination because we categorising, putting them in a box and without even realising that that minority is out. Yeah, yeah. Um, mass media routinely take advantage of stereotypes as shorthand to paint a mood. This is what this article is saying. Um, paint a mood, scene or character. The elderly, for example, are routinely portrayed as being frail um, while younger people are often shown as vibrant and able. So this is literally starting... This is where, like, even if, say, we were to talk, talk to our kids about trying not to create stereotypes, mm. mass media... Are already doing it. Are already doing it in everything. So even as much as we tried our hardest to create an equal world, there is too many things, influences, and that's why it's important to have these conversations. And it's fantastic these conversations are being had by people like Mark Pritchard from Procter, yeah, Procter & Gamble. Totally. If you don't know what Procter, who Procter & Gamble are, have a look on the bottom of all your yeah. <laughs> toiletry and goods. Olay, they are, they are the parent company for Olay, Oral-B, Pantene. Um, gosh, so many like heads and sho- head and shoulders. Like so, so many. So many. So, yeah, that's fantastic that they're doing that. And they've done... I could talk. I could go for hours and talking about what 
um, Procter and Gamble are doing, but they've got yeah. some really great campaigns um, addressing this and making sure conversations are being had and we're checking ourselves on our bias. Um, and that's for another day. Um, but I did want to talk about a company that's doing quite well in creating a non-stereotype um, for women. Um, it's called Third Love, an American lingerie company that aims to sell lingerie for everybody, or should I say every body. <laughs> <laughs> was that your little joke, was it? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what I do you think? It. I got it. Oh, thanks. <laughs> Took me a while. Um, <laughs> so it's um, if you look up um, thirdlove.com, they are just a really forward-thinking brand for lingerie, and they literally try and create no boundaries on any age or any race or any body shape literally doing things saying things that you wouldn't necessarily expect say 75 year old woman to be saying or doing in what we say as a stereotype right so they really push those boundaries and their campaign's called to each her own it's a non-traditional campaign featuring everyday women that was cast via a street casting agency focusing on capturing the strength of real women um they've pretty much taken the gloss of marketing off things so it's like shot in people's homes and like out in their back veranda with like mess around and just like really creating what it might be to turn a camera on your life yeah, wow. or your family or your next door neighbors like and then just saying this is these this underwear is just for the everyday person but what they're trying to do is make a vulnerable glimpse into what makes women unique and beautiful and trying to make that very relatable and be very inclusive of like every walks of life which yeah. hell yeah you know like how many of people like it's just it's just making what all brands are trying to do in creating that diversity, but really taking off all the, yeah, exactly, the gloss and the glitz and the glamour of... Yeah, that kind of industry. Yeah. Yeah. So, Jade, bias. Talk to me. <laughs> so interesting. You know what just came to mind um, is the how the Wiggles have just announced four yes. new Wiggles, which is perfect for this conversation. Yeah. So if you didn't know, the Australian children's band called The Wiggles have just expanded their line. They had four people and now they're up to eight. And they said that they were seeking to inspire a diverse audience with its gender balance and diverse cast and make sure children around the world see themselves reflected on screen. So, so is there going to be eight Wiggles? Yeah. So I think the four new ones are heading up their YouTube series. Okay. Yeah. But I just think it's amazing. Like people, they're a big brand in Australia, obviously. Um, and I think that's what we need is the big brands who have the resources to step up and do this mm. because I think a lot of brands don't consider every possible target group because they might have to alter their products to be inclusive and to them, if they alter their product and have a different say, version, for example, for one group, that might not stack up for them financially so you can see why they're not doing it, I guess. And then a lot of research needs to go into smaller groups to make sure you are delivering the product that, that they need or a service that they need. And that's sad. Because it's sad that decisions are always based on fin finances, but it is. Yeah. Um, well, at the end of the day, that was, that's what's going to make or break. Exactly. It would be nothing if they didn't. Yeah, and that's why it's good that the bigger brands who, who do have the resources are doing stuff like this. And yeah, something something like the Wiggles, I think they're doing the right thing. And like you said, those stereotypes that are being re reinforced to our children in mass media um, can hopefully be kind of counteracted with some of the choices that people make with talent and things like that. Oh, 100%. Well, yeah. I heard a little bit about um, Evie Ferris, who's going to be the new Blue Wiggle, um, replacing Anthony. I heard a little bit about her this morning on Triple J. 
and she's a ballet dancer. So and I th- and she's also an Indigenous Australian. So she, but she's a um, been a ballet dancer since she was you know really young, and her family moved her to Melbourne to um, really be serious about ballet oh, wow. when she was younger. Yeah. Um, so that's going to be such an in- she's she's twenty four. Um, so it'll be really interesting to and so cool to see her as part of the Wiggles. Yeah, I think it's exciting for our children's generation to see everyone should in some capacity see themselves reflected on the TV or the internet. Totally. And in our generation we weren't there at all. It wasn't even it wasn't even a consideration. No. Whereas now it's at least being considered. Mm. Um so a few more years I think it should be more important. But I think it's been um it's been quite common in say, you know, T V shows, movies and things like that. Not so it's only more recently become common in branding and advertising. So I can't wait for that to be a little bit more important. Like you said, the marketing managers are the ones making these decisions and they need to take these in things into consideration. Well, yeah, I think the advertising agencies um, are leading – well, they're needing to have the conversation with the brand if they're not having the conversation. So with the campaigns and the creative ideas that are coming back, if it hasn't been considered, like the target audience, then it's up to the agency to – to bring it to the forefront, but really in the briefs coming from the brand to the agencies, it should be there. Yeah. And I'm and I, I'd be surprised if it wasn't. See, that's where the unconscious bias comes in, doesn't it? Because if you're sitting in the marketing manager manager position for a certain product or service, and you brief the agency, you don't necessarily think to say, "Please be inclusive when you're casting." Or please, I, I don't know. I'd be interested to see what briefs these days say. I yeah. feel like it'd be the first thing under that target audience now. Yeah, right. Just look at Bonds. I know we've talked about Bonds before, but like, just look at Bonds. Think that would have been the number one priority in that brief. They literally had every walk of life on that on that on the Bonds ad. So that would have been the pivotal part of the Sorry, campaign for that specific ad. Yes. Okay. But I'm saying if you're promoting a product. A specific product. It is when you're when you're trying to show that you're that kind of brand. Yes. Yes. But if you're just doing a uh, you know a brief for a TV ad for your new product. Yes. I don't think you necessarily think to go. Hey, can you please make sure to the agency anyway? Mm. This is where your unconscious bias comes in. I don't think that people. Necess- I know I haven't in the past thought. Okay, I would better make sure they know to be inclusive. Or do I need to be on the lookout in case they're not? Do you know what I mean? Whose responsibility mm. is it? Is it the agency who's casting it? Is it you as the brand? Is it both? It's probably both. Yeah, and I think it actually comes back to the company. Like I think it needs mm. to be top down, like we said. It, yeah, yeah. Because the marketing manager probably can't make these calls. Like That's it's got to be the person paying her yeah. or him. Yeah. Um, the ones signing off the check at the end of the day, yeah. like they're the ones that need to know that this is where the company's heading. And to be honest, it needs to be not only – um, it not only the marketing are pushed marketing wise, it needs to be internal. Like if you look at, into Procter and Gamble, and they're a fantastic, fantastic case study to look into about this. Um, they talk about how they are inclusive with all their staff worldwide. Mm. You know how can they? Um, it literally says on their website about how they make sure that they they're not hiring because of of opportunities because of their bias, right? So, you know, they don't not give someone opportunity because, say, they come from a different background. Mm. Here we go. It says, the people who use our product every day are as diverse as our world. 
The more we reflect them, the better we can understand their needs. That's simply meeting expectations. Inclusivity is where we go beyond them. Our employees are encouraged to bring their unique selves to work every day and bring out the best in each other because when every skill is used and every voice is heard, positive change can happen. I love that, bring their unique selves to work every day. It's not often you get told to bring your unique (laughs) self to work, is it? But the thing is, they're so right that Mm. their products go to all the unique people and their products are used by diverse people around the world. And to think that, like, it's so old school to think that everybody wants to be that blonde hair, blue eye family washing their little toddler baby in the bath, like in a squeaky clean white bathroom. Like that's not the world. No. Like that was how advertising used to be. Like let's portray a perfect little family. Like no, it's all lots of families living on top of each other. There's, you know, mixed races. There's all sorts of types of families now. Uh, Yeah, advertising's definitely shifted from aspirational to relatable. Yeah. Don't you reckon? And a lot of that I reckon has come as social media has brought us into that because you see a lot more of people's lives and influences. I think you you, you can even classify influences like that. Some influences are aspirational and some are relatable. Yeah, and even the aspirational ones I think get cut down like real bad, especially if they're talking about their, um, uh, what's it called, their privilege of just like, because obviously aspirational usually comes with things that people can't attain. Can't afford, yeah. So therefore, in times like this, where half the country's locked down, um, those types of people are the ones that if they do splash around any of their aspirational selves, (laughs) you know, they pretty much get shut down because it's like, what? You can do that and I can't do that? Or just because you have the money to pay for a cleaner or just because you have the money to do this or that. So I feel like even those people are seeing... um, (laughs) having a bit of a hard time yeah (laughs) anyway i think that case study is definitely worth a read yeah definitely and i'm going to do the test oh yes what are your bias jade (sighs) we're going to try something a bit different for the second half of the episode we're going to get vulnerable um we've heard that some of the listeners have asked us to talk a little bit more about our own personal lives and the only way we know how to do that, I guess. Structure. Keeping some structure to it. <laughs> so we're just going to ask one question at the end of every episode. Uh, there's literally coming up a list of vulnerable questions. <laughs> um, so the question this week is, what is one thing you would change about yourself? I suppose I'm going first. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I just looked at you. Alicia's going first. All right. So... It was actually in an episode of The Bachelor lately that I noticed that they were p- picking a girl who I had actually thought I was very similar to, <laughs> to bits. And guess what? She was in marketing too. Um, her name's Holly and they were the girls were almost um, targeting her and saying that she that she actually doesn't listen to the other girls and she's... She's quite like direct with what she's after and mm. she's literally, if anything, kind of alienating anyone that doesn't align with what she wants to say, do, think, feel, la, la, And I was like, oh, crap. Like I actually think this is part of my personality. I could see some things I was talking about with her that I know I do and it was almost by them bringing it up in her was a little bit confronting for me. Yeah, right. Because I know that I can sometimes 
not listen to others because maybe it comes past and parcel with being confident or being able to talk to anything and anybody that sometimes I don't need that person to respond. <laughs> Isn't that funny though? Because that's a trait I wish I had sometimes. <laughs> oh, it's bad though because, yeah, I think that's exactly it. Like you, love c- that you I don't c- need them to respond. <laughs> It was honestly not until this episode I realised that that's probably why I can walk into a room and not be shy or scared because I could just talk without them even, like they could literally just turn their back and walk off and I'd be like, cool. (laughs) (laughs) Say what I wanted to say. You would be like, cool, and I'd just cry. (laughs) I'd be like, where's the next person? Who else wants to to listen to me? (laughs) Uh, So, yeah. One thing I could change about myself is I think, and I honestly have been trying to be more, um, I have to not think too forward ahead of what I'm going to say because it lets the conversation open up to hearing what the person's going to respond with. I often run with my conversation Mm. and that doesn't really create a two-way conversation. Mm. And I'm aware of it and I'm trying to change it because – and I'm not saying all the time because I am genuinely interested in people and I'm genuinely interested in what people have to say. So I do think there is times that I listen. Yeah. But when I'm on a roll, I'm on a roll. And that does not need someone else at the back end. That does not seem someone else responding. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly. You, I, I wonder though if, you, um, if you're more like that in a work capacity than you are in a friend capacity. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> Nope. nope, nope, nope. Just all the time. <laughs> all right, so all right. You're, you, okay. Jade. What is one thing you um, would want to change about yourself? Oh, this is going to go back to what we spoke about just before about the fact that when you said, oh, we don't have much on, why don't you just go and do something for yourself? And I was like, froze. I would love to be able to be a more... Easygoing might be the word. Easygoing, spontaneous person. I am just not that person. Like my calendar is color-coded. I know what I'm doing. I know when I'm doing it. And I think that avoids me. Sorry, I think that gives me a sense of control, which makes me feel calm and less anxious. But then I also think to my detriment, I miss out on things or I wouldn't be doing things that I could otherwise do because I'm so structured and rigid in that way. What do you reckon? Well, you sort of said it gives it makes you calm, so <laughs> You prefer you calm wa- me. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. Oh God, what happens if you start being spontaneous? <laughs> we got a crazy jade. <laughs> Exactly. Uh, No. uh, Yeah, no, that's – and that's something that you've obviously realised about yourself. I think that that there's definitely ways to try and break that mould even a little bit and that is saying yes to some spontaneous things that might not be in your calendar. Yeah. And it might need someone else to help push that. It might not be you, like me saying to you, go do something for yourself. It's probably a bit too open-ended. I probably need to be like – Meet me here for a drink now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I <laughs> yeah. would have said yes. Yeah, that's a spontaneous thing. Yeah, it's not in your calendar. True. Yeah. You know, and sometimes you might need to lean on your friends or family for this. Um, and like, you know, possibly telling your partner or your best friend that 
if you see an opening in my life where you think that I could go do something that's not structured, please take me. Yeah. Because espe- please help me. Please help me. <laughs> because especially now with our busy lives with the kids and our business, you're going to get more and more busier with that because mm. as the kids get yeah. bigger, there'll be more things you're running around to. Um, <clears throat> and so if you tell your friends that you need that, if I'm sounding hesitant, don't let me be. Yeah. Like I know I'll enjoy it while I'm there. Yeah. But if I'm hesitant, it's nothing on you and it's not the fact that I don't want to do it or even to your partner. Like if I'm sounding hesitant, it's only because I'm I'm getting flustered that it's we haven't planned that. Yeah. Yeah. But letting them be spontaneous for you to almost yeah. try and break that down. Yeah. I feel like so, this is like a counseling session. Yeah. So, like, <laughs> so make it everyone else's problem. Be like, this is my problem. Can you guys fix it? <laughs> Well, otherwise I don't know how you can do it yourself because that's... Well, we kind of have been trying to say no to more things. It sounds, <laughs> it sounds stupid because then we have more space yeah. and we have more time to be like, oh, we don't have any plans this morning. What are we going to do? Mm. So I've kind of been doing a bit more of trying to do a bit more of that. So far, so good. <laughs> so you have it in free time <laughs> in your calendar. That'll get a different colour. Yeah. <laughs> That covers it for this week. Make sure you leave us a review or follow us on Instagram at Marketing That Matters Pod. We love to chat. Thanks for listening to Marketing That Matters.